G'day and welcome to the Dolby Anglican Podcast. My name is David and I'm one of the ministers at Dolby Anglican Parish. If you'd like to learn more about our church, you can visit anglicandolby.org.au. This week's sermon is the final sermon as part of our Everyday Saints series, and it focuses on Ephesians chapter 1, verses 15 to 23, and the fact that Christ is our King. We hope you enjoy the sermon. The first reading today is from Ephesians chapter 1, verses 15 to 23. For this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all God's people, I have not stopped giving thanks to you, remembering you in my prayers. I keep asking that the Lord, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation, so you may know him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in older, that you may know the hope which he has called you the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people. And this incorruptibility, great power for us who believe. The power is the same as the mighty strength. He exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly realms. Far above rule and authority, power and dominion, and every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. Hear the word of the Lord. Thanks Thanks be to God. Friends, please pray for me as I pray for you. Loving Lord God, we thank you that we meet today under King Jesus in his court, in his presence, as people who rejoice in their King, who live in knowing him, who have his inheritance and who rely on him for power and are satisfied fully in their King. Amen. Well, folks, today we've reached it, uh, the pinnacle of everyday saints, looking at the lives of everyday people made saints by the love of God. We've gotten to know Augustine of Hippo, St. Francis of Assisi, and last week we met Julian of Norwich. Now, it got me wondering, what do all of these people have in common? They all changed the world. They all lived extraordinary lives for an extraordinary God. But all saints have at least five things in common. And Paul focuses on these five characteristics in his letter, which Lexi just wrote, to the Ephesians. He writes in the beginning, For this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. Paul is giving us a masterclass in what everyday saints are and how they live. So let's look at the first characteristic. The first characteristic is a saint rejoices in their king. Paul is a man who probably was in prison for being a Christian, and he's writing to a bunch of Christians he's not met yet who aren't getting along. 
Nonetheless, Paul praises God for this little dysfunctional church. There's nothing special about them, but from verses 3 to 14, he bursts into this joyful song of praise to God. The Ephesians are God's holy people. They are saints, and they are set apart for God because they believe in him. So Paul tells the Ephesians that he hasn't stopped praying for them. He's absolutely stoked that despite all their shortcomings, they're still meeting together and still following Jesus. There was immense pressure on them to abandon their faith, but they've stuck it out. So Paul rejoices in King Jesus, modeling for us what it looks like to be a saint, because that's what saints do. We rejoice in our King. This is because not only has King Jesus made the world, he's died to save us, and he's risen to bring us eternal life, and given us a purpose and a mission beyond ourselves. Paul can't thank his king enough for all he's done, and so he never stops giving thanks for what God has done amongst the Ephesians, and for how they love one another, because God loved them first. Friends, this has so much to say to you and me today. I don't know if you've ever met someone who totally loves their boss, but Paul loves his boss. He loves everything his boss has done, everything his boss is doing, and everyone who works alongside him to serve the king. And while you've met someone who, who may, and while you may have never met someone who loves their boss, I bet you've met someone who doesn't love their boss. Think about what this does to their work ethic, to their purpose in life, and to how they go about their day. When you hate your boss, your work becomes a chore. When you love your boss, your life becomes a calling. And that's why Paul rejoices that he is on Team Jesus, and he rejoices with the Ephesians that they are too. As Christians, we can join with Paul in rejoicing in Jesus as our boss and king. Serving him is a privilege, and joining with his people is a joy. God has made us, he's come into our world to save us, called us into his family, and one day he will call us to our true home in heaven. Jesus is so good to us, and so as his saints, it's our privilege to continuously rejoice in him. So that's the first characteristic of a saint. The second characteristic of a saint is that they live to know their king. He writes in verse 17 to 18, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray also that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you. Again, Paul is saying in the present continuous sense, I keep asking God to enlighten you. This is a deeply Trinitarian verse, um, verse 17. As Paul mentions all three people of the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, in rapid succession, he knows that knowing God involves all three persons of the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Sadly, today, some say, well, you just need to know the Holy Spirit, or you just need to know Jesus, or you just need to know God the Father. 
But here we see that it's God the Father who gives us the Holy Spirit so we might know Jesus better. All three persons of the Godhead point to one another and want us to know them better. Paul prays that the eyes of our hearts might be opened into a majestic way of praying and understanding our God. Now, in our culture, we are head people. We can thank the Enlightenment for that. Seeing is believing, and we need to rationalize anything before we can know it. If I can rationalize in my brain, then I understand it. I know it. We see the heart as the center of emotions and feelings, but the brain is where true knowledge lies. Conversely, for Paul, the heart is where our thoughts and feelings meet. In order to fully know someone, I need to have my heart open to them. It's not that the people of the time believed that their eyes literally had hearts and they needed to be opened up. In their understanding for a relationship to flourish, we need not just to know about someone, we need to know them fully. Paul doesn't just want us to know people rationally, he wants us to know God personally. When I was studying for ministry, I would often go down to the shops and there I would see the king, Wally Lewis. <laughs> now, I might have known that Wally Lewis was born in Brisbane in 1959, that he went to Brisbane State High School and that he played 34 State of Origin games, winning 21 of them with eight Man of the Match performances. But could I sit down and have a coffee with Wally? Probably not because I didn't know him personally and that the eyes of his heart were not open to me. We didn't know each other personally. Friends, the eyes of God's hearts are open to us and we need to pray that God would open the eyes of our hearts to him. Jesus isn't the king of Lang Park. He's the king of the whole world. And he's not only got the capacity to know and love and care for us, but he actually does. Saints live to know their God, so let's pray and commit to knowing God more. The next characteristic of a saint is that a saint has the inheritance of their king. In verse 18, Paul pivots and he says, I pray also that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in all that you may know the hope to which he has called you the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and his incomparably great power for us who believe. On Thursday night, Zoe and I watched an episode of The Crown. Does anyone watch The Crown on Netflix? Yeah, a couple of, couple of Crown fans. The current season looks at Princess Diana and her relationship with Prince Charles. Diana, when she meets Charles, is working for her sister as a cleaner for four pounds an hour. She comes from a well-to-do family, but she doesn't have a title or much of an inheritance. Suddenly, Charles proposes, and all of a sudden, she becomes an heir to the throne. The inheritance of the royal family becomes hers. Paul tells us that the moment we put our faith in Jesus, we become heirs of the kingdom of God. All God's blessings are showered down on us in an instant. 
Now, sadly, as Diana got to understand her inheritance, she came to realize that it was more of a curse than a blessing. But it's the opposite with the kingdom of God. As we truly grow in faith and understanding of what it means to follow Jesus and be heirs of the kingdom of God, this glorious inheritance helps us to deepen in awe and joy and understanding of our God. Today at our 10 a.m. service, Sophie Postle is being baptized, and her parents are giving her the greatest gift anyone could receive, a place in God's kingdom. They don't buy this gift. It was won for Sophie upon the cross. She can't earn it. God gives it freely. And this gift will never run out, fail her, or get postponed because of coronavirus. It's a gift from the God of the universe. Next characteristic is that a saint relies on the power of their king. As we've gone through this series, we've seen how powerful the life of a saint can be. St. Augustine's ideas are still in circulation and changing lives today. St. Francis of Assisi's example powerfully changed the lives of millions and still does so today, particularly people who are sick, disabled, and poor. St. Julian lived powerfully in her day People were recalling her life and example this year as people went into lockdown and remembered how Julian went into lockdown and lived in God's presence. Saints rely on the power of their king. And Paul prays that we would know this inheritance in the future, but also that we would have the power available to us in the present. He writes about the incomparably great power of us who believe. That power is like the working of his mighty strength, which he exerted in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every title that can be given, not just in the present, but in the age to come. Do you see how good this is, friends? The same power that raised Jesus from the dead is working in us. The same spirit that allowed Jesus to change the world for good in three short years lives in us. The same power that enabled Jesus to fight sin, heal people, drive out demons, feed the hungry, and teach the world about the love of God lives in us. Saints of all ages have carried on doing Jesus' work humbly and graciously, one life at a time. And God is calling us to take our place as everyday saints and draw on his mighty power to further Jesus' mission and bring heaven to earth. Paul uses four different words for power in verse 19 to describe the power that is available to us saints. There's megathes, which means power or greatness. There's dunameos, which mean, from where we get the word dynamite. There's energien, where we get the word energy from. And there's iskuos, which means strength. Friend, if you're looking for power in life, 
then look no further than King Jesus. His power is without rival. That's why verse 21 tells us that the name of Jesus is above all rulers, authority, power, and dominion in this world and in the world to come. The name of Jesus is more powerful than the name Vezos, Morrison, Bradman, Gates, Kardashian, and Trump put together. If you want true power, look no further than Jesus. Ask him for power, and he will give you the direction and power to change the world, one life at a time. The final characteristic of a saint is that they are satisfied in their king. So many of us go through life unfulfilled, hungry for more, but when we get what we want, we find we're still longing. And when we get to the end of our lives, we often find that the things we spent all our energy on weren't worth the effort. That's why Paul points us to the fulfillment found in Jesus. He writes, And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be the head over everything in the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills, fills everything in every way. In his life, death, and resurrection, Jesus lived an exemplary life, fully pleasing to God. And when he rose from the dead, God placed everything under his feet. Jesus passed from our world and into God's world, heaven. And God made him, as the song says, the boss of everything. While not everyone lives like King Jesus is the king of the world, and not everyone worships him. One day they will. One day King Jesus will return to our world, which is rightfully his, because he made it, he loves it, and he died to save it. And when he returns, he will redeem it fully. All the pain and suffering in our world is a cry of longing for the return of the king. But saints, well for saints, Jesus fills us with everything in every way, right now. Like a shoe without a foot, a bride without a groom, or pizza without pineapple, we are incomplete until we know God. St. Augustine famously said, You have made us for yourself, O Lord, and our hearts are restless until they find their rest in you. Friend, if you're looking for fullness in life, then look no further than King Jesus. All the saints we've looked at were restless and unfulfilled until they dedicated their lives to King Jesus and to his service. Paul rejoices in the fact that this shoddy little church in Ephesus can rejoice in its king for all he's done. It can now live in him. It can now bask in his inheritance. It can rely on his power and it can find its fullness and satisfaction in Jesus. Friends, God is calling us as everyday saints to do the same. Rejoicing, 
living, basking, relying, and enjoying the satisfaction that comes from knowing King Jesus. May you know King Jesus today, and may we make him known as King every day. Amen.